Hello and welcome to the IDK My BFF Jill podcast. I'm your host Jill and I don't know Jack, but not for real. I'm here to learn more about life by being curious about others and being vulnerable about myself. I'm talking to people from all walks of my life because despite the world being big, we all know it's also very small and you never know when that gem will be dropped that will allow you to grow. So let's go. Hello, hello, welcome, or welcome back to the IDK My BFF Jill podcast. I'm your host, Jillian. And I say every time, today we have a really special guest, but for real, for real, special because it's my first, first and probably only family member on the show. Today we have my brother in law, Tristan. Hi, Trist. Hey, what's going on? Thanks for having me, Jill. Thank you for agreeing to do this. Uh, Tristan is married to my middle sister, Janiel. And when he was recently here visiting me, she kind of volunteered you for this. So if, yeah, anything, she did. <laughs> if anything goes wrong, you talk to your wife. <laughs> I'm okay with that. I love being on the hot seat. So yeah. I'm excited for uh, for today's conversation. I definitely look forward to it. That's true. One of the things I admire about you is like you're you're willing to ask questions. Sometimes it seems like you really enjoy being devil's advocate. Uh, we'll talk a little bit more about that later. But yeah. that's how we met through my sister. Uh, why don't you give the people just a quick introduction of yourself? Yeah, well, great to meet everyone. My name is Tristan Akong. Um, I love long walks on the beach. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. Uh, I'm, I'm born and raised in Queens, New York. I'm the youngest of three boys to an immigrant family uh, from the island of Trinidad on Tobago. But uh, but yeah, you know, grew up in a in a very loving household. And uh, your sister and I, we 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 met through Tinder, and that's how we first started dating. And uh, and yeah, I mean, I I I loved growing up in Queens. And then you know, obviously, as you know, as we'll talk about throughout the call, is just recently transitioned over to uh, to Houston, Texas. So yeah, that's just a a quick little backstory on myself. And I know we'll delve a little bit more into it um you know as the call goes on i love how you call it the call because that's how you know you're a sales guy who's on calls yeah. all, day. <laughs> yeah, all day zoom 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 the conversation okay today's a conversation not a call so switch that in, in your mind <laughs> um so you know the goal of this podcast for me is is to stay curious and stay cre- to be curious and stay creative and to do that through learning through conversations with people that I know who have gone through changes and growth and just talking about how they manage that. Um, one of the, the first thing I want to bring up, which I brought up in my speech at your wedding is what, when I first met you, the thing that I noticed and was really shocked in a good way by was in your apartment. There were all these post-it notes stuck around the house in random places here on the wall, in the bathroom, on the back of the door that had quotes or goals or mantras and I thought that was so interesting because you typically don't see that from a male, at least. And maybe you wanted to take those down before I came to your house and you didn't get a chance. I don't know. But I want to talk a little bit about that and how that habit started for you. Yeah, you know, that's a that's a great, a great question. Um, you know, just to kind of backpedal a little bit of my story. Mm-hmm. So uh, I grew up in a in a Catholic household. You know, I went to a Catholic elementary school, went to a Catholic high school. And when I was in my senior year of high school, I ended up uh, getting arrested for uh, for shoplifting. And, you know, my 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 parent, my mom, she had to bail me. Well, my parents had to bail me out. And one thing she said to me, she wasn't mad, but it was one thing that she said that cut me deep. She says, I'm so disappointed in you. Mm. And when you hear that from your parents that you idolize growing up, it, it really cuts deep. And it, it, it makes you literally sit and think and, and think about ways you can change and be better. Mm. So kind of fast forwarding a few years, uh, you know, went away to college. And then after my second year of college, I got introduced to uh, the Amway business. I was in mar- multi-level marketing. And that's kind of where that foundation has been laid for financial literacy, people skills, self-development, personal, um, 
you know, PMA books. So that's kind of where that foundation started was when I was in multi-level marketing, when I was in Amways to learn how to communicate and talk to people and understand what financial literacy is all about. Because, you know, growing up in an immigrant family, I didn't, we didn't learn any of that, or at least I didn't learn any of that. You know, I was taught the traditional way of you know, grow up, get good grades, get into a good school, get a good job, and, you know, all your dreams would come true. But I started to realize that nobody around me, their dreams weren't coming true. So, you know, I realized, hey, I have to do a little bit, I have to do something a little bit different if I want different results. Mm -hmm. uh, so I started to read, you know, deep books like Think and Grow Rich, Master Key to Riches, um, Psycho-Cybernetics, uh, John Maxwell books. And, and those really kind of built that foundation of writing down your goals and putting them up on the wall. Because I look at these post-it notes, you know, they, they have affirmations and goals written on it, but they're literally my trail of writings on my wall to mm -hmm. clarify my own thinking mm -hmm. and serve as a marked trail for my desired state, if that makes sense. Yeah. So in my mind, if I have visions and, you know, I have an imagination of where I want to be in 10 years and say, hey, I want to, you know, have a house on the beach. I want to be a great husband. I want to be financially independent. So those are my desired goals that I've imagined and envisioned. And if I write it down in my mind, I'm already there, mm -hmm. but I just have to continuously remind myself day after day, hey, this is where you want to go. This is where you're going. You're on the journey of doing this stuff. So, that's kind of how where it stemmed from and why, uh, you know, I liked having things up on my mall. And to this day, I still have goals on my wall on where, you know, we want to be as a family in the next five years. And, uh, you know, I love it. it just kind of keeps me on track for, uh, you know, to keep me where I want to go. Thank you for sharing that story about your um, childhood, essentially, because you're, you're still a kid when you're in high school um, <laughs> and things like that. Um, yep. you, I have a logistical question about those post-it notes. Do you keep them? Do you put them in a book? Do you throw them out? How do you keep those, you know, that trail? They, they, they change. Hmm. Uh, my, my goals do change. I have now I went, for, I upgraded. I went from post-it notes to a white clipboard. <laughs> so I have a white, a whiteboard in my room and uh, I have a different set of goals mm -hmm. in, on, on my whiteboard in my room. So through the years, certain things have uh, been achieved and, you know, I transition and I pivot and uh, I always look to keep growing. So, you know, as certain things get accomplished, I want to keep stretching and put new goals up on the board. So, yeah, upgraded to a whiteboard now. Well, I am a fan of both of those things, post-it notes and whiteboards. Mm -hmm. um, I think it's, I want to commend you for writing things down because, you know, as someone who has been in the organizing kind of efficiency world, the number one step to so many things is writing them down because physically manifesting them, even just one time on a post-it note, like you said, it, it actually brings you like 10x closer to whatever that goal is. There Absolutely. are, you know, the data says like there's, you know, 30,000 thoughts in our head, almost 80% of them are negative or something like that. Mm -hmm. Take the time to write down that one positive. You're propelling that one thought ten times further. So I'm I'm so glad that that's a habit that you have. Um, I wanted to ask about uh, what was I going to say? Sorry, I'm still waking up because it's earlier for me than it is. <laughs> it's earlier for me than it is for you. Um, how have you implemented that habit, if at all, in your relationship? Yeah, that's that's um. You know, it's funny. Uh, that is a good question. I, as I've transitioned from boyfriend to husband, I know that I have to change in a different way to continuously grow in my relationship with your sister. So I, I, I read books on marriage. I read books on relationships. And I, uh, it was funny. I was going through some notes uh, earlier this morning and I have written down to continuously edify, validate, and appreciate Janelle every week, whether it's through certain small acts of kindness, like flowers or, you know, words of affirmation. So I have to continuously remind myself to do these things on a day in, day out basis uh, to keep my relationship flourishing. So it, it, it's something that I transition from, you know, my business mindset to also my relationship mindset, because, you know, you could accomplish all the things you want in life personally, but if you don't transition those or segue those into your relationships, then, you know, what's all the money in the world if you don't have the person that you love to enjoy it with? 
That is very, very true. That is very, very true. She was just posting yesterday about how she's in love with her best friend. <laughs> I remember that. Yeah, I retweeted it. Yeah, I was like, you damn right. Yeah, right. <laughs> um, I want to back up a little bit. Sorry to to your your interest in financial literacy. As you know, I happen to also work in that field and, and that space for the last 10 years. I think financial literacy is so important, especially for young people, uh, women, people of color. Again, as you said, children of immigrants, a lot of us are not taught these things. Um, first of all, because they're fucking confusing. And mm-hmm. um, there's so many nuances that even our parents didn't understand. How are they supposed to communicate and teach them to us? Um, but I want to talk a little bit about your favorite books and some some concepts and ideas. What are some of your favorite, um, I guess, tricks or habits to help you achieving your financial goals? Yeah, I think the first book I read that uh, kind of laid the foundation for me was Rich Dad, Poor Dad. Yeah. And that's that one book that I think that's like the entry, the 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 barrier to entry to financial literacy. Like that's the first book they tell everybody to read. Everybody to read. Yeah. So because you know, obviously it breaks down the four quadrants and you know, different ways money could be made. Uh well, different ways money is made. Mm-hmm. And uh, you know, I just kind of wanted to transition from the S and the E to the B and the I. Mm-hmm. So uh, that book really just kind of opened my eyes. And uh, there was a, a, another book, The Magic of Thinking Big uh, by Dr. David Schwartz. And that was just opening up your mindset to think big. Uh, I think I was kind of raised in a household and, and no discredit to my parents because they did the best they could with the knowledge that they had. But uh, I don't think there was a an, an ecosystem or an environment that, hey, you can do whatever the hell you want to do. You know, you want to be uh, the, 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 the richest person in the world, you can be that person. You want to be the top businessman in the world, you could be that person. Um, not that they didn't created an environment where it was short-minded but there was an environment where you could think big and that that book the magic of thinking big really opened my eyes so that you know whatever you think and envision you can really achieve it but it all comes down to mindset and what are some habits that you use as far as like your money management goes to keep you on track for your goals i I, and i say this because i want to share one that i just recently implemented that's really Mm -hmm. working for me so um I actually have two different checking accounts, right? Personal, not joint, but two personal checking accounts. One personal account is where my direct deposit goes in from my work and all of my um, recurring um, uh, expenses get paid from, right? Rent, savings, all that kind of stuff. I actually gave myself another checking account is where I have my party allowance. (laughs) So, right, that's the concerts or that's the eating out or whatever. And I have found that having those different buckets for me, really helps me. And I hate to say stick to a budget because you know what? It's so hard to do that. Like most people do not. Let's be real. Like life is moving fast. Yes, you can have an idea of what your financial goals are and how much you want to spend per month. But for me personally, tracking down to the penny doesn't work. So when I gave myself that other checking account, which by the way, has a roundup feature, right? So it rounds up to the nearest dollar, which, you know, penny saved is a penny earned type of thing too. Mm-hmm. Um, I use that for my fund spend and that helps keep me within my quote budget. So that's a trick that I that I have uh, discovered that works for me as far as managing my money. It's, is there anything like that that you do to help you manage yours? Yeah, very similar. Uh, I have separate accounts as well where I put money into every check. Uh, you know, whether it's investments into crypto and or stocks, uh, a brokerage account. Uh, I also have one for just a rainy day fund. Yeah. Um, I'm not a big spender. Uh, I'm more of just I just. I don't spend money that much and your sister spends all my money. So (laughs) I have to create enough money where she has enough to spend and me also accomplish, uh, you know, some of my personal financial goals, but yeah, we do, we do have separate bank accounts that we put money into and that covers all of the day-to-day bills. Uh, and then, you know, we have somewhere we stash money away for, uh, for emergencies. So yeah, very similar structure. Uh, just a little bit of a different type of distribution in regards to, you know, how we kind of move money around. How was the mental or mental and or emotional transition for you having to, when you got married to. Yeah, that's a good question. <laughs> I struggle, honestly, I'll be transparent. I struggled with it because your sister was my first real relationship. We yeah. met at, I was 26 at the time and we met at 26 and, you know, up until then I wasn't 
big into relationships because I want to enjoy my youth and whatnot. It's, so your sister was my first real relationship where I actually had to be an adult. <laughs> so it, it, when we got married, I was still, even though I wasn't that, I didn't have that singular mindset. I still kind of had a, a, a layer of just, hey, it's all, it's kind of still about me. I kind of have yeah. to look out for my own. Yeah. But when you get married, it's like it goes from me to we. And yeah. it took me months to transition out of that, even though we were engaged and we had dreams and goals of buying this property by that time and, you know, setting a money aside for this goal. And I was still I still had that singular mindset. And I would say it's not up until a couple months ago where I was just fully transparent about my income and the money I have tucked away here and the money I have in this account, where now we pulled our goals together and we're on the same page. So it, it was a struggle in the beginning, but I've I finally succumbed and opened up about myself. <laughs> it's not succumbed. I think, <laughs> you know, when especially when it comes to to money, it's such a deeply personal thing because we're, again, like we've talked about, taught different aspects, taught different approaches mm -hmm. and there's a lot of shame around money. A lot of the time, whether it's, I you agree. Know, even if you have a lot of money, there's, there's people can be a millionaire could be shameful because of X, Y, Z, right. It doesn't matter how much money you have when it comes to finances and money, there's a lot of shame around that. So it actually requires a lot mentally. And like that, and that's why I added the word emotionally to, to transitioning from a singular mindset to a joint mindset about not only your relationship, but about money, because, you know, that's something tangible that you can fight over real quick. Yeah. Yeah. And you know, the, the statistic that, you know, X amount of marriages break up because of finances. I never wanted that to be a, a, a hurdle in our relationship. So, you know, I, I, to me, it was like, all right, you know, whatever we want to do financially, I don't want to argue about it. Well, we'll get it done. We'll figure it out. And, you know, I'm, I'm glad I was able to finally open up because, yeah. you know, money, you, you could always earn money. So, you know, you shouldn't have that be standing in the way of, of your relationship. So, yeah, I, I agree with you. And then you go further. It's one of those things, right, where you go further together. Right. When you if you're closed off in that aspect in your relationship, you are closing yourself off to so much more potential. Right. Because, yeah, together you, together, you two are going to achieve more. You know, I know you have real estate goals and all those things. And each of you have a different set of skills that complement what the other person might be lacking. But without that open door and transparency around like the bottom line, literally. Right. You're not going to be able to um achieve those achieve those goals I think what was interesting to me that you just said a few moments ago was that you didn't have the conversation and the transparency about money until after you got married most people yeah we she knew how much money you know general ballpark of how yeah. much money I made now I mean obviously I'm in sales so there's no set number yeah. like hey, you make 120,000 a year flat you know you have a base and then you have you know commissions here and bonuses the whole nine yeah. uh but she did know generally all right he makes this ballpark number but you know now that she starts doing our taxes she looks at the w-2 she looks at all the statements and everything so she well, knows now but uh but it was that conversation was more around pulling our incomes together because mm -hmm. like you said together you could accomplish more and your sister's so smart and so wise where she actually said to me she was like dude do you understand how farther we can go financially if we're just on the same page and we mm -hmm. pull our money together she has certain debts i have certain debts we could knock that out within a couple of months yeah. if we just work on the same page and i was like you know what damn it you're right you know what <laughs> this is why i married you because you're so <laughs> smart um but it was once again that singular mindset I, I wasn't thinking like that you know because in the end it was just all about hey i have these certain financial goals i want to accomplish let me do let me do what i need to do in my own port in my own bucket my own bank account so that I could accomplish that. But together we could go further. So yeah, kudos to her. Yes. Well, also I think it's, people don't realize like, you know, that's what she does for work. Right. So it's like when people are like, oh my God, my house is so messy. I'm so embarrassed. I'm like, dude, this is what I do for work. Trust me. I don't take anything personally. I do not care. Same thing for her. Right. It's a, for her, it's just a piece of paper with a number on it. Right. Like mm -hmm. it's a W2, it's a whatever. And we are looking at that from the outside. Of course, you're her partner and you're filing taxes together, but we're still able to look at that from the outside and, and be able to assess the situation. Um, I will say that our dad, you know, he tried very hard to make sure that each of us um, had some kind of financial 
you know, literacy background as my dad was a business admin major and very much involved in all of that stuff uh, as we were growing up. So that's where that that baseline comes for for the both of us. But my parents were not good with money either. My mom was in tens of thousands of credit card debt before we were able to leave the Bronx, right, and to get out because and to move to a house um, in Texas. So it worked, it takes a lot of discipline. And what I said in my wedding speech was, you're someone who is disciplined and has a lot of integrity. Did, did that discipline always in, exist in you as a child, or is that something that a habit that you developed as you got older? That's a good question, and because I still feel like I struggle with being disciplined. However, I do feel like I have a certain level of discipline. And yes, I, it was something that was instilled in me in my childhood. You know, my, my parents are hardworking, hardworking people. And we actually, you know, obviously our families have congruencies. Yes. I'm the youngest of three boys. There's you, you know, there's three girls on your side. My mom's a nurse. Your mom's a nurse. My dad uh, stopped working in the early 2000s. Your dad stopped working in the early 2000s. And, you know, we're more of that stay at home figure uh, for us. So my dad played a pivotal role in, in kind of building up my mindset in regards to certain things. Um, and then I played sports. Yeah, I played football in high school and track in college. Uh, and, you know, in those sports, you need to have a certain level of discipline to show up every day. So just having that sports background did kind of lay, uh, lay that foundation in regards to some of the qualities and principles that I have instilled in me today. So it, it's a combination of a lot of things growing up. But uh, yeah, my family is is the main factor of why I am the way I am. I your family is beautiful and amazing. And both of our families have a good time together. Oh, As you're it. talking right now, I got a vision of your friends um, in my head because I think that your friend group from my experience is also one of the biggest influences on your life and your person and your being. Like, obviously we have friends, right? But I really feel like your close group of friends has really affected you and maybe affected your discipline, your choices and things like that. And in a good way, of course, hopefully. Yep. Um, tell me a little bit about your friend group and how your friend group has been a pillar for for you and your habits and your growth. Yeah, so you know, I have two two sets of friend groups uh mm -hmm. that I met in two different phases of my life. So, you know, there's Gabe, Brian, Ralphie, Jeremy, Stefan, uh and I met we all were in the Amway business together. So, we all kind of grew up in that same environment of being financially free and independent and and all that good stuff. Uh, so I met them when I was back in like 2010. And then in college, I met Ernest and Lakim. Mm -hmm. And they have been huge, huge uh, role models in my life to grow and be better. You know, I, I like the what motivates me. And, you know, I, I it, it's different for other people. But I like when people have more in life than I have because it motivates me to level up. You know, so people who have more things in life push me to level up, be better, accomplish more. Whereas some people say, hey, look, uh, you know, uh, there are, I'm, I have certain things better than or more than one individual, and that pushes them to continuously progress and be better. So, you know, it's a little weird, but, you know, people who are more further in life than I am motivate me to, you know, to be better. So, so that's kind of how that dynamic is, is, you know, the, those guys really do push me to uh, be be my best self. So uh, it's so interesting that you have a a positive spin on that because I think oftentimes the 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 narrative is, damn, that person has more than me, and it's a comparison game, right? It's a jealousy game, and that kind of, more on the negative side, like the glass is half empty. But you seem, interestingly enough, which again is not common, I think, especially from the male identifying perspective, a, a glass is half full type of thing. Uh, when you're looking at your friends who might have more than you, I assume you feel that in your chest, <laughs> you know, like you you genuinely feel motivated by it as opposed to discouraged by it. Is that something that has always come naturally to you? Or did you have to shift your mindset there too and be like, no, I have to look at this as a motivator? It's, I look at it as like, why can't we all win? You know, yeah. I, I love for my friends to flourish and, and accomplish goals uh, that they have in life. And just one example in particular, Gabe, he has a, a, a meme page mm -hmm. and, you know, he, it started out from just an idea 
what, mm-hmm. four or five years ago. And now, you know, he has collaborations with top companies and, you know, he's financially and he works, he's independent and, you know, he doesn't need a, a W-2 job. And that's what he does full time is, you know, he's pretty much just a social media influencer. Mm-hmm. And when he wins like that, that's just so motivating for me is because I feel like everyone can eat out here. It may not be in the same industry, but whatever industry or passions and goals that you have, you can thrive and flourish in that. So when you see other people win, it just forces me to like, you know what, I, this is why they're in my circles because we're like-minded. We have the same mindset. We have the same goals and the same visions and we're just hungry. You know, we all, for the most part, our families or immigrant families, and we're like first generation United States citizen. And we have a bunch of opportunity at our fingertips, you know, with social media and all these things that are out now, there's just, there's no way that we can't accomplish the goals that we want in life. You just have to believe in it and have that mindset that you could do whatever you want. It's true. The fact that you said, you know, yes, it's all of the people that you just listed in your friend group are first generation, you know, first generation ex-Americans, right? Filipino American or whatever it might be. Um, And I think one of the reasons that your friend group is that way is because you grew up in New York, right? Yes. This is the melting pot of the world. And I I, I have talked with two other friends from, from my childhood, and we all talked about how blessed we were to grow up where we did with the diversity that we did, because it truly is a unique experience that brings a whole nother lens to everything that we do. So I want to use this to transition to my favorite topic, which is moving. I tend to talk about that with so many people because I've moved so much. Mm-hmm. So, you know, you grew up in Queens your whole life and you didn't move anywhere until you were 30, basically. Right. Almost. Almost 30. How old are you guys? 31. So like two years ago, 28. Yep. Uh, yeah. So I'm 32 now and we yeah, yeah. left a year and a half ago. Okay, so, so 30. yeah, yeah. 30. Um, nothing for me. Nothing teaches you more about yourself and about life than leaving your hometown and living somewhere else. So I'm very curious. Let me tell you this. When we moved from New York to Texas, it was the worst thing ever, right? Because one, we were children and we Mm -hmm. didn't. Two, it's like a fucking culture shock, right? Going from New York City to Texas. I food wise, temperature wise, people wise, all the things. And but that happened to us at an early stage in our lives when we were young and we didn't have a choice. You guys made the conscious choice to move. So I'm, I want to hear about one, why you decided to move Two, how was that moving experience for you? And three, I'll repeat these later, but I'm sure you can probably remember them. How have you learned? Uh, what have you learned about yourself in this change? Yeah. So we, uh, when we first started dating, your sister said to me, she says, at some point, I just want to let you know, at some point, I want to leave New York mm-hmm. and we just started dating. I'm like, girl, I don't even know if this is even going to make it to this relationship <laughs> is even going to make it to the end of the year. Yeah. Uh, so I just kind of brushed it off like, yeah, 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 whatever. Uh, and then, you know, our relationship, you know, progressed and, you know, we got more serious. We moved in together. The conversation resurfaced. Hey, at some point I do want to move out of New York. And I think at that time I was like, I'm never leaving New York. I'm New York. Born and raised, it's in my yeah. blood. I'm never leaving. Forget about it. You could it's either we go in separate ways yeah, or yeah. you're staying here. Yeah. Um, but at that time, you know, you you experience life in New York and you know, you just kind of think, like, you know what, maybe I could try to explore something outside of New York. And it was between two destinations that we discussed. It was either California, you know, somewhere, maybe San Diego, or I I brought up Houston because I said, if I'm going to leave New York where all my family and friends are, I at least want to move to another place where there's at least some foundation of friends or family. If we go to California, it's just me and you butt naked. We don't have any friends. We don't have any family. We're just going to have to figure things out on our own. But at least if we move to Houston, Houston, your family's there. You have a, uh, some friends down there from high school. So we at least have a foundation that we can start to build up from. And then the cost of living. I'm like, I'm not going to leave one expensive state to move to another expensive state. If I'm going to leave New York, it's going to be uh, for a variety of factors and the financial come up being one of them. So that's how we decided on Houston. And like you said, when you leave a state, to move, it really does teach you a lot about yourself. Now, I have no friends mm-hmm. in Houston, mm-hmm. uh, but through time, a few months have gone on and some friends from New York and from college have since moved into Houston. So we do have a few, fr- I do have a few friends uh, from my hometown that kind of live out here. 
And, uh, you know, it's been cool. We hang out from time to time, but it really does teach you a lot about yourself. Me and Janil spend 99% of our social interaction with each other. We see wow. your parents from time to time. We see some friends from time to time, but literally every day it's me and her. And it really does, it really does help build your relationship. It really does help build your mindset. Uh, about who you are when it's just you and the person that you've married. So yeah, it has been a huge transition. And this process kind of did force me into going to therapies because I was developing some habits that I felt wasn't healthy for me long term. And I just kind of wanted to see where it stemmed from. So, you know, I started going to a, a therapist and, you know, we've had you know, great conversations. And to this day, I still go to a therapist. And it really helped me tap into my emotions and because when when you're a black male in new york who played sports you're just you 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 have a, a certain shell on mm -hmm. where you're like don't talk to me you yeah. know i'm good and you don't really open up and you're not emotional and you don't talk about how you feel so there's no emotional vocabulary built when you have this tough shell on mm -hmm. and through therapy I was able to kind of tap into those emotions and understand why I am the way I am and it really does help me in my relationship with your sister because now I am more emotionally vocal about how I'm feeling, what I'm going through, what I'm thinking, instead of me just being quiet. And yeah. then she say, hey, what's wrong? Oh, no, I'm good because I'm trying to figure it out on my own. But if I at least open up and share those emotions with her, then, you know, she, it helps her understand what I'm going through mentally. And then she can determine how she reacts to me based upon what I shared with her. So we literally yeah. had this conversation the other day. And I said, one of my favorite things to say to people is how do you think you're feeling? As you just said, most of the time, because you're busy processing, you're just like, I'm good because you're afraid to share the incorrect thing because you're all, you're confused to begin with. So you don't know what to share. So the question I like to ask people is how do you think you're feeling? Because it starts here. Mm -hmm. It kind of just like, you can change what you're thinking, right? You can't necessarily change how what you're feeling. I mean, you can, but to, for the purpose of this example, right? You get what I'm saying? Like you can change what you're thinking. Absolutely. I think I'm feeling sad, but you know what? Now that I think about it more, I'm feeling overwhelmed. Mm-hmm. And I, I think just adding that word, think, how do you think you're feeling really changes the conversation because it's not pressuring the person to choose right now. This is how I'm feeling. Basta. Like it's, it's opening it up to the opportunity for that feeling to change. So kudos to you for going to therapy because that and that's a good concept. That's a good concept. Uh, and you know, it's definitely something that I'm going to implement yeah. as well. Moving forward is how do I think I'm feeling is because yeah. usually I just say, Hey, uh, and you know what? You're right. Like, I think I do kind of lead that way. It was like, you know what? I, I think I'm feeling pretty upset right now. Yeah. And I'll tell her why. And, yeah. and you know, it, it helps her uh, react to me in a certain ways because now she's I'm starting to open up and right. really express how I'm feeling. Right. And I guess I had a question for you guys. We're kind of on this topic of, you know, like therapy and emotions mm -hmm. and stuff. And, you know, obviously, you know, you you've been to therapy through your your transition to the next chapter of your life. What do you what do you think? What do you feel you discovered about yourself during, you know, this process of, you know, speaking with a therapist and understanding yourself a lot better? I discovered just how much my decisions, while I was the one who made them at the end of the day, were really framed um, and structured by outside factors as opposed to myself. So while I do take ownership of the decisions that I've made, it was the context and the the way that I interpreted the information that was presented to me in whatever scenario, the lens through which I was looking at that information was other people's lenses, mm. whether that be my family, whether that be religion, whether that be what culture, whether that be society. And I really had to move those lenses out and just put my glasses on and say, how do I right, think I feel? How do I want to do this? And it's really interesting because I think most people would think, you know, I'm a very assertive person. I know what I want, yada, yada, which is true. I When I make a decision, I make a decision and I'm clear about it. But the way that I, through therapy, I was able to realize just how many and and the way in which those decisions were actually framed by outside, outside forces that were not truly what I would. And I think that's the hardest thing to do, right? We're born in this world, 
pure little beings and then life happens to us we mm -hmm. have our parents trauma and our ancestors trauma that are added on top of us that we may not feel on the daily but we feel you know we have our life experiences growing up in the bronx growing up in queens you know i i was telling you know janila and i grew up on craft mac and cheese because dad worked at craft and it was cheap from the employee grocery store that is some good stuff though i will eat it every day <laughs> but but jenna you know grew up when my parents were much older and more mm -hmm. she had a more privileged you know upbringing than we did how did that affect me and so all of those factors and really stripping them away like as we get older our job is to strip away all of those things mm -hmm. um, and through ther and, and therapy and having someone else to talk to about it who doesn't know your parents who yep. doesn't know your siblings who doesn't know your spouse and only knows you and only cares about you is one of the most beneficial things and i'm so happy you shared that you uh, go to therapy because I think that's something that our, our generation is doing really, really well about, which is being open and honest about those things, especially for a black man to be admitting, right? Admitting, but like sharing yeah. sorry, that he's going to therapy because for so, again, that cultural and social structure of how we're supposed to be. And we're, we're breaking down all of those, those barriers. So. Absolutely. And then in question on that, right? Do you, so if you were to find a therapist, right? Sometimes when you try to look up a therapist a picture and an image doesn't show up mm -hmm. because they don't want you to be biased about choosing somebody based upon looks but mm -hmm. do you think it's important for you to judge a potential therapist through how they look and or their background yes <laughs> I agree. I agree. um when i was go looking for for myself um, you know, there are just facts like a, a, a white woman who is, whose family has been here for many, many, many generations is not going to understand the pressures that I feel as the firstborn daughter in America of immigrants. They can try their best yep. to empathize, but they cannot understand. And mm -hmm. so I wouldn't necessarily consider it, you know, judging a therapist by their looks or their background. But I think it's you making the best decision for yourself, given yep. the data points that are presented to you. The data yep. points I like are I want it to be a, a, a I pref you know, a man or woman doesn't matter. You know, for me, gender doesn't matter. But it's more about the person of color situation, especially someone who can understand um, where my parents are coming from and how that has affected me. I don't think it's a bad thing to choose someone with the intention that you're comfortable with them because you want the utmost success out of this experience. Yeah. Um, now, I'm not saying that I completely did not look at any white women therapists, but if for whatever reason, the first three that I found didn't work out, then sure, I'm going to pivot and, and, and look at what supply is able for my, is, is available for my demand. Right. right. I agree with you 100%. Yeah. Uh, thank you for those questions. I want yeah. to, we're going to flip the script in just a second. You've already started to, but I'm not, we're going to get there. Um, I want to talk about um, finishing off with Texas. What are some of the biggest uh, cultural differences between New York and Texas that you have experienced in the last like two years or so? And how have they affected you and your lifestyle? Yeah, I think it's it's a couple of factors. One, I I love warmer weather. I hate mm -hmm. New York winters. Uh, so the the heat doesn't bother me that much. I mean, obviously, you know, August, July are are two of the hottest months, and it does get a little crazy out here. Uh, but I do like the humidity because it also helps my skin. So, you know, mm -hmm. I, I have ethiosis, which is a form of eczema, mm -hmm. and it's essentially dry skin. So the humidity does help my skin out. So I kind of love it. Uh, but it, it really is a night and day difference in regards to what Houston has to offer versus what New York has to offer. Mm -hmm. I call it a trade-off of conveniences is because okay. – what what's a benefit in one area is not a benefit in another area. So uh, in New York, you have the access to, you know, you have a deli on the corner, you have a store that, right here, and you could literally get to where you want to go to by just walking down the block and everything is on that block. In Houston, the, the supermarket is five miles down the road and there's a bunch of stoplights and it just takes a lot longer. So everything is a lot further in, in my gym is 30 miles away. <laughs> from my house, the gym that I go to. Uh, yeah. <laughs> but I look at it as as time. So in New York, you know, my gym is seven miles away, but since there's so much traffic, it's 40 minutes. And it's the same time difference here. It takes me about 35, 40 minutes to get to the gym uh, from, from where I live. But yeah, everything's just a lot further. And then I think the last layer is just the mindset sometimes mm. of people down here. Uh, 
is a little bit different than the mindset of people in New York. It's not good or bad. It's just people where in New York, you know, how I was raised, they have a lot more of a go-getter mentality, uh, very aggressive in their approach to things. I wouldn't say not aggressive in, in their demeanor because I think yeah. New Yorkers have a, a a demeanor of being aggressive and rude. No, we're just aggressive in our approach. There's a difference. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so... I think it's just the, the the mindset sometimes of people down here versus which is versus New York, but it it's, and it's not a bad thing. It's not a bad thing at all because it works for them. Has it affected you at all? I think in regards to opportunity, it it does because you know if you're in an area of sales, yeah, you do take advantage of opportunities where you know maybe people down here have a little bit more relaxed personality. And I'll just give you an example. We we go out to restaurants all the time, and in New York, it's just very fast paced. Get in, get out go about your business but they really love to dine you out here where the food service is a little bit more slower and because people just have that relaxed personality and mm -hmm. you know when you're used to everything being on the go 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 mm -hmm. to come down here and everything being drawn out and slowed down it really does kind of itch at your nerves yes <laughs> You're like, yeah. just a little faster, please. Just, just, just a little bit. But you know what I found? Uh, uh, this is different from Texas to California, obviously, where I was for a very long time, too. I was like, I purposefully need to slow down, right? Because when you grow up in New York, you're, you're fast, whether you, whether you like it or not, that's just who you are. It's ingrained in your personality. Mm -hmm. And, um, being in California for a long time really did teach me to relax a little bit more. And I think that that was a good thing for me right to relax and to slow down because it helps me um focus and and pay attention to details in a way that when you're moving so fast sometimes you don't see the minute i step back in new york i feel it start yep. with my toes and move all the way up and i'm like get the <laughs> like you yep. know but that feels good too at the same time you know um so that transition between you know, texas is obviously moving a little bit slower too um do you feel like you're moving a little bit slower when you're there you're 100% right i had to force myself to slow down. Yeah. Uh, my brother used to live in, in, in my, my oldest brother who lived in New York, he moved to Dallas, I would say like seven or eight years ago for two, three years. And then he ended up moving back to New York. But when he lived in Dallas, I came down to visit him. And the one thing he said to me was, don't honk at anybody on the road. Because in New York, we I honk at everybody. Honk. Yeah, we honk at everybody in New York. You're, yeah. you're walking slow across the street, you're getting honked. Um, so when I moved down here, I still had that in the back of my mind to regardless of how people drive, do not honk at everyone. And it forced me to slow down and be patient on the road because I can't come down here with that aggressive approach once again and think things are going to be the same as as New York. And there was one book that I had to read. It's called The Power of Patience. Mm -hmm. And it literally gave me techniques on how to slow down and just live in the moment. Because that's one thing that I do struggle with is living in the moment and appreciating the now. What is one tip from that book that you really took away? When you see yourself getting flustered, whether it's on the road, uh, it, it, it's a it's a weird technique. You, uh, they said, rub a part of your body. So like rub rub your stomach, because that physical touch in mm -hmm. your mind it takes you, it distracts you away from the what you're what you're focused on, which got you upset. So it, it's it's I know it's a weird thing, but anytime I feel myself getting upset on the road, I'll probably like, you know, pinch my arm or yeah. poke my stomach or rub my head. And that does distract me from what I was getting ag aggressive about. I love that. Thank you for sharing that. Thank you for sharing all of your insights and your experience, because I think, again, the point is we learn from 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 each other. Right. And you never know who's listening, who might have a similar story, who's like, oh, he's in therapy. Cool. I can do it, too. Or that's a really good tip pinching yourself to to distract yourself from the situation because our minds and our bodies are connected right yeah. you really have to distract your your body your mind by by touching your body um so i appreciate that thank you for for sharing all of your stories um, absolutely I'm, i am so curious to i wonder if janelle's gonna listen to this episode she said she would she said she would so <laughs> i told her she said can i listen in i'm like hell no you're she, gonna distract her, me and i'm gonna get nervous <laughs> her ass is outside of the door right now listen uh, she probably is probably hit her footsteps walking around and then also another technique on that point yeah. uh and you know maybe this could help some listeners is that Things are supposed to happen the way they're supposed to happen. The universe has, cre has, has created a plan for you. 
-hmm. And if you feel like you're stuck in traffic, why am I stuck in traffic? There's a reason you're stuck in traffic. You know, maybe God's protecting you from, you know, I don't want to get too spiritual here, but you're, you're being, you're being, you're stuck in traffic for a particular reason. And it's probably protecting you from something. So, you know, to kind of have a little bit of that mindset and that awareness that there's a reason you're stuck in traffic. And if you at least aware of that, then it it does kind of help you calm down and not be flustered. I agree. I agree. Um, That's kind of like that glass half full approach. Like, you know, every second counts, right? And if I'm five minutes late to that thing, maybe it stopped me from getting hit by a car. Absolutely. I I mean, I hate traffic, but (laughs) when you're in traffic, you're like, oh, man, damn, this sucks. (laughs) I have the same mindset. Um, Thank you for sharing. Part of the reason I started this podcast was for me to be more vulnerable because Mm -hmm. I have so many friends who are like, Jill, you're such a mystery. I don't know. And that I don't try to be. Um, The thing with me is like, if you ask, I will answer. But I'm not out here just like willy nilly sharing all the things. For every one thing I share on Instagram, there's two more things I'm not sharing. And I'm actually really excited to flip the script with you because we have always had good conversations because you're a curious person, I think, by nature, which is why you read so much and things. I'm not a curious person by nature. So um, you've always asked good questions. We've always had good conversation. Um, so we're going to finish the rest of our time here with whatever questions you want to ask me. Yes. And I have a couple. Um, <laughs> no, I, I, I honestly think, well, first off, thank you. Thank you for this opportunity because I'm, I'm always intrigued by you. And, you know, every time we get together, we always have a great conversation. Mm-hmm. Uh, our conversations are deep. And that's one thing that I do appreciate about our time together. Mm-hmm. And I think we're cut from the same cloth, meaning that you and I were both, I mean, at least myself and I, I you probably would agree that I think we're kind of like the black sheep of our family, meaning that we have a little bit of a different path in life compared compared to our siblings. And you have a very entrepreneurial spirit. And uh-huh. typically, most commonly, it's it, if you see that, they come from a family that has a background of having entrepreneurs and, and business owners in it. Uh, with your different projects and businesses that you run, where do you think that drive, that entrepreneurial drive and spirit stemmed from? You know, because at least I don't have a background of it. And, yeah. you know, maybe you or do not have a background of it. So I'm just kind of curious about that. Thank you for that. It's so interesting that you said I'm the black sheep because for so long growing up, Janelle was the black sheep. She would describe herself as, as that, not me. But I think you're you're using it in a different context. Janelle was the black sheep growing up just because she had lots of emotions and, you know, all that that kind of thing, that middle sister acting up stuff. I'm the black sheep. Yes, you are absolutely correct in my mindset. Um, so I appreciate that. Thank you for noticing that. The entrepreneurial mindset, where did it come from? I have no freaking clue. Jesus Allah Buddha. That is mm. all I, um, <laughs> I, and I don't know if you've, you heard this story, but uh, outside of our house in the Bronx, I used to sell water for 25 cents a cup and you had to, mm-hmm. it wasn't even a disposable cup. You had to give it back to me. Um, oh, yeah. We lived, <laughs> we lived down the street from Monty. So all the people would be walking to work. And I don't know. I had my little white table. I had a little sign with a piece of paper and I said, you know, cold water, 25 cents. Um, my mom would just watch from the window if she wasn't sleeping. I had my first garage sale outside of our house when I was like eight or nine and I sold books and toys. I had a chalk, I had, I drew on the sidewalk, like garage sale this way or whatever. I think it was like 32 or $36 was what I made that day. That mm. number sticks out for me. Um, so it's just in me, my, my dad, you know, my dad was a business admin major yep. uh, in college, but he never really started his own businesses. I think he probably would have if he had taken, you know, if he didn't meet my mom, maybe, and mm-hmm. have me. but um, that he never, that, that aspect of his personality never really like manifested. Okay. So I think there's a little bit of that in me from there. And I just think it's circumstance that I was born in America, right? where I think that was what one of the reasons why I was able to flourish uh, and to grow the naturally occurring business mindset that that Jesus Allah Buddha gave yep. me. And what motivates you today like to keep on going and launching different projects and stuff? I can't like I can't help it. <laughs> um, I really I get asked that question all the time because they're like, Jill, you do so much. Like what motivates you? And I'm like, I don't know. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I actually so funny I'm, I'm getting ready to to relaunch the org org right we're doing a whole rebrand and a couple uh, you know a year ago I was like I'm just shutting it down I'm done being a business owner I don't want to do it anymore 
But through time, I realized it's not that I'm done being a business owner. It's that I'm done with that business. Mm. And I cannot help but I think what you know what it is, I love I love starting things. I'm a good um, igniter, you know. Um, finishing things, different story. But starting them, I'm really good at. And so I think that's what keeps me motivated is that excitement of when you start something new, whether it's art, whether it's this new rebrand that we're doing, or anything like that, because I think at the end of the day, it's creative. Mm-hmm. And as we have discovered through my journey, the art creation, right, was um, the entrepreneurial side is just creativity in a different way. And you said something just now, you said finishing something is something different. Mm-hmm. Do you feel like you put pressure on yourself when you see you may or may not complete something or finish something that? I, I used to. I don't anymore. I think now what I'm leaning into is my specialty in starting because I realize the majority of people have trouble starting. Mm -hmm. And that is something that comes so naturally and so easy to me. You know, people are often fearful of taking that first step because they don't know where it's going to end up. And for me, I'm not even thinking about where this is going to end up because of that (laughs) mindset. I'm like, how do we get started? And if I can help people just take that first step into whatever it is that they want to do, that is motivating for me because I'm getting to live my truth and my skill set uh, while helping other people, you know, flourish and, and grow in their lives. And I, I totally, I totally get you. And and the reason I asked that question is because that's something that I felt like I struggled with was, mm-hmm. you know, I will start a bunch of different projects and I have an entrepreneurial spirit. I, I had an Amazon business, you know, yeah. I did multi-level marketing, but, you know, I started it and I transitioned onto something else. And I felt mm-hmm. like I put pressure on myself for not finishing what I started. But what I did realize is that it's not that you failed at completing it. You tried it and you realized, hey, I've done it and, I, and I'm okay to move on to something else. And Mark Cuban said something great the other day. He says, you only have to be right once. That's true. <laughs> you only have to be right once. You know, and, and it's great to hear something like that is because it does take the pressure that I used to put on myself for not completing what I felt like I needed to complete. They're all building blocks. Yeah. They're all building blocks. That all that's, you know, when you think of stairs, oh my God. Okay. Also, do you know that I don't talk to myself? So everything that I'm saying to you right now is just coming out of my mouth in real time. And I just had this vision. Oh, and I also think in pictures. Mm-hmm. So I just had this vision of stairs, right? And the way that they overlap with one another they're not completely on top of each other. Other you, you wouldn't be able to go up. Damn, that's fucking genius. You know what I'm saying? Like ha- there's a stair and then half of it, the other stair starts. And then the other half, the other stair starts. And yep. that's how you're able to climb. Oh my God. That was and crazy. it's crazy is when you look back in, you know, in life and say, you know, from where you started and it all led to where you are oh. today. 100%. And it's like, a, it falls into place in a perfect alignment and it's the craziest thing if i had completed quote unquote completed whatever that fucking means right quote mm-hmm. completed like what what would have been the completion of the org org maybe it would have been like to get it to the point where i have so many clients and then i sell the business yeah. maybe that was completion but had i completed all of the things in the past i would not have learned a lesson that would have brought me to where i am today yep because it's just it's just when you close the circle and then what mm-hmm it's better. It's more, the stairs are better because with the stairs you're climbing. Right. And again, if you're, if you're closing the circle, you're not building on top of that. You're just going in circles. And um, that's where that comes from. Wow. That was genius. I need to copyright that. I need to, you should, you should. Second question I have is, are you, are you happy? Mm. Thanks for asking. (laughs) I'm very happy. I'm, I really think, especially I'm thriving so much in, in Seattle personally, uh, you yeah. know, weather wise, I like it. Just the way the city is set up. I like it. I have friends that are in the art world. I have friends that are in the business world and it's just a few of them. But um, one of my new friends, Sarah, just launched a natural wine pop up. You know, we've had conversations over happy hour, like just we got to start the thing yeah. that we're missing in this neighborhood. Um, and so, yeah, I'm really happy because I think I'm, I'm thriving in all of the ways that I want to. My goal for this year was alignment. That's, that was my word for the year. And I said alignment because, you know, over the past three years in the transition I've been going through, that's lots of changes, right? And so now I'm trying to align myself with the person that has come out of all of those changes. Everything was kind of scattered before, like, oh, art and like this and that, because I was scattered. So where I'm at right now, I'm feeling very happy because everything's coming into into alignment and um, and become clearer. Yeah, 
Yeah. And you know what? I'm like, I'm, I'm so, I'm so happy for you, you know, because obviously I've seen your, your journey over the, the last couple of years and, you know, I'm, I'm proud of you. And remember how I said, I, I kind of pull energy from people who are movers and shakers. Yeah. I, you, you motivate me, Aww. you know, from the different things that you do and, and your, your drive and your, your enthusiasm, it's motivating to me to keep on keeping on. So, you know, I just kind of wanted to say thank you on that front. And then the last, the last question I have is, you know, when your life story is all said and done, mm. your friends and family, the people that love you the most, what do you want Jill to be remembered for? Oh my God. I was just having a vision of my funeral yesterday while I was walking Juno. <laughs> Damn, that's a little dark. <laughs> no, it's not. No, it's not. Oh my God. Let me tell you, this is uh, we can, that's a whole nother podcast episode. I'm actually going to an event when we're done here. It's a Filipino, a Filipino community bereavement center. So this artist that I came across here in Seattle, who's all about, you know, really grieving and understanding grief yeah. Um, in all kinds of ways. I'm not even talking about death. It's the, gr the, the, the grief of a relationship ending, the grief of business, but just grief in general. A, a amazing Philippine artist. He's opening the center that is focused on, on, on grieving from a cultural perspective. I'm so excited. But death is one of my, it's not my favorite thing. I need to find a better way to say that. I'm very much intrigued by death mm. because it's like that final project, right? The close of at least this, yeah. this circle. Um, I was, I, I often imagine my funeral because for me as an event planner, it's the final Jillian Patriarca event. <laughs> so sure. I plan it all, I plan it all the time. I want it to be, I want everyone to walk into my funeral and be like, Jillian was here and she planned this and she executed it. And then she walked away. <laughs> do you want it to be like funny and upbeat or do you want people yeah, to be like, <laughs> at, the of, at the end of the day, you know, as much as on my, my tough exterior, um, that's who I am. I am like, you know, I want everyone to have a good time. That's through my event planning or whatever it is through this conversation. How do I want to be remembered? I imagined myself actually yesterday having someone read my own eulogy because like it's my funeral, not yours. I don't care what mm -hmm. you have to say. <laughs> and so I imagined, I was like, I hope all of you realized just how much um, I gave because I think on the surface, um, I can come off for some people as very self felt selfish and self-centered. Like if I'm hungry, we are all suffering and I need to eat right now. If this is what I want to do, we're all going to do this. So on the surface, it might seem very self-centered, but at the end of the day, all of the things that I do are to give to other people, to make sure Tito John has a really good party, to make sure that you and Janelle have a really good wedding day, to make sure that my friend feels comfortable in her, in her relationship and her finances, to make sure that this person is launching the business that they want to do. Um, so I think that's what I want to be remembered for. And I think people who really know me see that uh, already, but on the surface, it may not be there. Um, but yeah, I think I want to be remembered for that. And I would say firsthand, you know, obviously you were uh, one of the main pillars of our, our wedding planning. Mm -hmm. and, uh, and I do appreciate how much you've done. I don't think Janelle and I could have accomplished what we'd accomplished if it wasn't for you. So I wanted to give I want to give you your flowers while you're living Thank that you. you you really do you really are appreciated by the people that love you the most for how much you do give. And I know Papa John felt it in Seattle. Yeah. By how well that weekend went. Yeah. So so kudos to you. You you I take my hat off to you cuz you really do give you really do do a great job. So so thank you. Oh, what a wonderful look at that. 1031 on the dot. Look We're on fire. On fire. Last question. Do you remember where we met? Was it in New York or was it in, in Oakland? The first time that I met you? Yeah. Um I don't remember. Me I don't... either. I was talking to Janelle. She was like, honestly, bro, I don't remember. <laughs> was it well, I mean, I met your sister through Tinder, so I guess technically we met through Tinder. <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean, you know, my, my first core memory of you is was that day that I went to your apartment and saw the post-it notes. I, I'm, I feel like we met before that. I'm sure we met before that. Yeah, probably through but, FaceTime or something. Something like that. But that memory of the post-it notes and, you know, how intrigued and impressed I was by that is like, as far as I'm concerned, that's my first memory of 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 you mm -hmm. um, but I don't remember when we first met but I think that's a good thing you yes. know thank you thank you for you know loving my sister for who she is she you've both flourished together I would definitely say that you've traveled a lot you have opened each other's eyes and minds and hearts to different aspects because of your love for one another um, and I hope that that continues for many many years as I said um, 
and I am so curious. Uh, hi, Janelle, if you're listening. <laughs> Anyways, thank you so much, Tris, for sharing your experience. I hope you had fun. This was really fun for me. And, um, you know, I want to just, yeah, thank you for your presence. You you said you struggled to be present, but you were very present in this conversation. So thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Last hot take, golf golf isn't a sport. Golf is not a sport. <laughs> it's not. I Did think there, that, there, I needs, there needs to be some level of defense to be considered a sport. I would. Oh, I love that. There needs to be some level of defense. I love that data. Yes. Because there's no defense there. If not, it's just competitive games. Games, games, <laughs> hobbies, hobbies, things you do on the side. Yeah. Yeah. I go Thanks. Okay. Have a good rest of your day. Thanks for listening, everybody. You too. Take care, sis.